Well, good morning and uh, Happy New Year. As you know, it's January 1st. It's a time of the year where perhaps you've been reflecting upon the past year and maybe have some hopes and dreams of the upcoming year. Often this time of the year is when we take stock of our lives and we make goals and plans for the new year. Resolutions and commitments to various things are what happen during this time right now. And please know I'm not against uh, taking time to reflect upon the past year or anticipating the coming year. I'm not against trying to have goals or desires for the new year to maybe restart some part of your life. I know there are a few places in my life that I probably need to restart in. But I have to say, as I was reflecting upon that this week, I'm very grateful that the church calendar does not begin on January 1. For many churches, uh, for many years in various denominations, the church has celebrated the start of the new year at the beginning of the season that we just finished up. The first Sunday of Advent, which was in November, was the beginning of the new year in the church calendar, not today, January 1. And I'm sharing all that because I love that in the church calendar, we begin the year longing for the coming of Jesus. I love that in the church calendar, we begin by focusing on the fact that Jesus came to this earth and he promises to return again. What we celebrated last week in the birth of Jesus and what we long for in the coming of Jesus to come back again and make all things right is way better for my life and motivation than just making resolutions that I break year after year. It is good for us during this season of Christmas tide to reflect upon the significance of the first advent of Jesus and as well to hold on to the hope of the promise of the second coming, which is such good news of great joy for people like you and me. And this beautiful story that Luke records some 40 days after the birth of Jesus is a great way for us to start 2023 off on the right focus and anticipation. So I'm going to read for us from Luke 2, 22 through 38. It is printed in your order of worship, or you can just listen as I read. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord a pair of turtle doves, and two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple when his parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. He took him up in his arms and blessed God, saying, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanu, from the tribe of Asher. She had advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. 
and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. This is God's word, and it's given to us for our good. Let me pray for us. Father, we do thank you for the hope that we have of this season, the hope of what we celebrated last week, and the hope of what we anticipate when you come back and make all things right. And Lord, uh, until you do that, uh, encourage us and strengthen us and help us as we walk and try to follow you as people who love you and serve you and love and serve others that you have made in your image. In your name, amen. Well, some of you might be familiar with the fiasco that happened a few months ago with Taylor Swift, the musician and Ticketmaster. Now, I got to say, I don't feel like Covenant is much of a Taylor Swift fan base, but you might uh, know about this ordeal. Taylor Swift announced her first tour in over four years was going to happen in 2023, and she offered to maybe help out the sale process some pre-sale tickets that if you were a verified fan, you could get and get tickets early. Well, my family, plus my son Ben's girlfriend, Marlise, all wanted tickets, and thankfully, two of us got pre-sale codes to try to buy them. So on the day of the pre-sale, uh, Marlise and myself were the only ones that were able to be online at 10 a.m., to try to buy the tickets. We wanted to get six tickets between the two of us. So I got on my computer right at 10 a.m., ready to purchase the tickets with my pre-sale code, and I hit the, no, hit the button to buy tickets, and I got a notice, you are now in the queue. 2,000 plus people are ahead of you. So I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and eventually I just had to go back to doing my work, but I kept my computer on, hoping that the screen would change. 11 a.m., 12 p.m., 1 p.m., 2 p.m. Nothing changed on my screen. Around 2.30, four and a half hours after getting online, my phone rang, and it was a FaceTime call with everyone trying to buy tickets in my family and Marlise, my son's girlfriend. But she was the only one on the call, which was a little awkward for the two of us, but we laughed about it, and she said, I'm in. I'm about to get tickets. And so I said, well, I'll wait on this call with you, and I'm waiting with her, and she's going, okay, putting in the code. Here's the price. Here's where we're going to sit. We're going to do it, right? And I was like, yes. And she clicks, I'm buying tickets, and we wait. And all of a sudden, she said, we got them. And we both start celebrating. And I wasn't even thinking, but I took a screenshot of the two of us celebrating, which is a little awkward, I know. (laughs) I immediately told her I did that, sent the picture to everyone to celebrate that we got the tickets. It was a relief to get these tickets, uh, not just because I think it's going to be really fun to go to this concert, but it was unbelievable after all those hours to actually get the tickets. And now reading about how so many people waited and waited and didn't get tickets made it even more exciting for us. We got to go. (laughs) Listen, tickets to a show and waiting for a few hours is small and feeble compared to the waiting that we just read about in Luke 2. Luke in our passage gives us two people not waiting for tickets, but waiting for the Messiah. This man and woman were not waiting for hours They were waiting for years and years and years. What Luke gives us in our passage today is the male and the female counterparts that represent what it looks like for the people of God to wait and recognize Jesus' place in the redemptive plan of salvation. Simeon and Anna are amazing models of faith and beautiful examples of waiting expectantly for God to show up. 
Both Simeon and Anna are commended for their worship and their piety. Both of them are clearly devoted to God. And both of them are anticipating the coming of redemption and both wait in faith for God to do what he promised to do. And this waiting is something we see followers of God experience throughout all of Scripture. I mean, waiting was there when our first great father of the faith, Abraham, was promised by God a son and a great nation to come from him. Years and years and years, Abraham waited for that promise to come true. We could read about in the book of Exodus, the people of God waited hundreds and hundreds of years in slavery, waiting for God to redeem them from the terrible situation they were in. And when God finally did keep his promise, instead of going right into the promised land, they waited another 40 years wandering in the wilderness. The Old Testament is full of prophecies and promises given by God that have caused many faithful women and men to wait and wait. And now, here in 2023, we are still waiting. We are waiting for God to return and to restore this world into the way that it was intended to be. We are waiting for a world where there is no more sickness and death and decay. We are waiting for God's kingdom of peace and justice and love to come in fullness. And waiting is hard. Waiting for God to show up in your pain, in your depression, in your anxiety, it's difficult. Waiting for your marriage to be better, for your job to be better, for your health to be better. And the reality is, there's no guarantee that any of those things that you're waiting for will change anytime soon. There's no guarantee that this year will be better than the last few years, though I hope it is. But what we can hold on to in faith is this beautiful story of these long-suffering, long-waiting folks in Luke 2 is not just a good story to read, but it's full of good truths to believe. This story of waiting and seeing God show up is a story that each one of us need in whatever place we are in when it comes to waiting today. So we're going to dig just a little deeper into the story and hopefully find some hope and comfort in our day-to-day lives as we wait. So as I already said, it's been around 40 days since the birth of Jesus. Uh, This young couple has barely recovered from the forced journey to Bethlehem, the frantic search for a place to give birth. The birth of this child with all the miraculous events of the angels telling the shepherds about it, the shepherds going and worshiping the child. And now, 40 days later, they're in the temple with this young son to offer a sacrifice. Throughout Jesus' life, we see significant events happening in the temple. I mean, the temple was significant as the locus of place for God's presence. This temple is the meeting place between the divine and the human. And it's here in this temple where Mary and Joseph, in obedience to the law, go to offer a sacrifice for Mary's purification. They're in this temple to offer a humble sacrifice according to the law. See, they could not afford the required lamb that was needed for the purification offering. But as Luke records in the book of Leviticus, there is an option of doves or pigeons to be offered instead of a lamb if the lamb is too costly for the couple. You know, over and over again in the book of Luke, at the beginning of his story, we see the simplicity and the poverty of Jesus' birth. We see in the first few chapters of Luke images and stories that point to the beautiful truth that Pastor David 
talked about last Sunday on Christmas morning. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Or as one paraphrase says, Jesus became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Jesus came as a baby to this young, poor, probably scared couple who could not even afford a lamb for the sacrifice. (laughs) I mean, here is Mary making a sacrifice for her own ritual cleansing, unable to provide the lamb needed, while at the same time holding this child whose own blood and sacrifice is the ultimate lamb of God that will provide the true cleansing that Mary, Joseph, and every single one of us in this room needs because of sin. See, God does not and did not come to the self-sufficient. God comes to the needy and the brokenhearted and the helpless. God comes to those who know their only hope and sufficiency is what he provides, not what we can provide for ourselves. And it is this hope that brings Simeon and Anna to wait in the temple to meet this child that has been promised to them. These two faithful followers of God have been waiting a long time for this child to appear. In verse 26, it says Simeon was promised he would not die until he saw the Lord's Christ. And so each day, he went into the temple to wait. Verse 37 says that this widow Anna worshipped in the temple day and night, waiting for this moment. And depending on the math, she either waited 70 or 80 years for this child to be born. I mean, just think about that for a moment. Years and years and years they waited. You wonder what other people in the temple thought about these two, perhaps crazy old man and woman. You wonder how many times they themselves questioned, am I being foolish in my waiting? How hard it must have been day in and day out to go into that temple thinking this was going to be the day and leaving empty-handed. You see, these two were living in a world of pain, suffering, and loss, a world just like we live in today. And so they were waiting for something or someone to offer hope. These godly followers of God longed and waited for the comfort and hope to come. And they knew and believed what you and I must know and believe as well. The only hope for the weary world is in need need is for God to show up and offer comfort. I mean, that's what verse 25 says Simeon was waiting for. He's waiting for the consolation of Israel, meaning he was waiting for the promised comforter, the one who would come alongside and console in times of trials and tribulations. Simeon was waiting for God to deliver his people. Simeon was waiting and expected that God would comfort and come alongside his people like he promised to. Simeon had not given up hope that God would keep his promise. And so he lived in light of that hope day in and day out as he waited. (laughs) And then that day came, started just like any other day probably. Simeon goes into the temple to pray and worship and wait. And everything changed when that couple came in with that child. At long last, the waiting had ended. The doubts were erased. The promise was fulfilled. The consolation of Israel had come, and he got to witness it with his own eyes. And the first thing he did, and the one thing he needed to do, like we would do, is he worshiped God. He took this child in his hands and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You've prepared in the presence of all peoples a light of revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. Simeon is worshiping the truth that salvation has come. 
a light in the darkness for all. Salvation has come in this child, the Christ. See, Simeon was longing for a comforter to come, and he got to hold that comforter in his hand. Simeon was longing for peace, and the Prince of Peace in his arms gave him the true deep peace he needed. And we can experience this peace as well, even in the midst of our pain and suffering right now. Right now, brothers and sisters, we have a comforter in our life. We have a protector in our life. We have one who promises to come alongside us in our needs and struggles. And we often don't live like this is true. We forget the promises that God says that he is with us right now. We forget the promises that God says, I am your father and I love you and I'm here for you. We forget that God keeps his promises and we need this hope in the midst of our struggles. Some of us have experienced deep loneliness the last few years and the holiday season intensifies that loneliness and it's just so hard. Some of us have experienced rejection and pain recently and it is a wound that's too hard to even grasp. Some of us have been carrying deep shame about ourselves for a long time now and we think if anyone really knew who we were, we'd be rejected and we feel alone. And some of us think if 2023 is anything like 2022, we're not going to make it. So we need this promise of this comforter who says, I will come and be here. We need the promise of what Jesus himself has called in Scripture, Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is our only hope we can cling to at times in the midst of our struggles. And it's hard to believe this at times. I mean, as I keep saying, life is hard. Pain is difficult. Waiting is discouraging. We live in a broken world. It's all around us. And even in this beautiful story, we get a picture or a pointer to the fact that there's difficulties in the world, even in the midst of this comforter coming. I mean, Simeon first points to the reality of opposition that Jesus is going to face in the rising and the falling of many that will be against Jesus as it's recorded in verse 34. But as well, in the midst of this amazing, beautiful moment with Mary and Joseph, Simeon looks at Mary and says, a sword will pierce through your own soul. Mary, you're going to suffer. Mary, you're going to experience watching your son die on the cross. Mary, as a mom, you're going to feel like the sword has struck your heart because of the deep pain and loss you will experience. See, the promise of Jesus' first coming doesn't remove the reality of the pain, but it does point to the ultimate promise of his second coming, which gives us hope in the midst of any darkness we're going through right now. My hope for us as a church, my hope for us in 2023 is to be more aware of the truth that light has come into the darkness and even though we have a hard time believing it, the darkness will not overcome the light. My hope is that we as a church will cling to the reality that life is hard and life is a struggle and life is difficult, but Jesus is coming back to make all things right. And we have tasted a little bit of the light in the birth of Jesus. And it's going to become a lasting, glowing, everlasting glory and light forever. The celebration that we had last week is a good reminder that God has kept his promise of light and glory and that he is going to come back and fulfill that promise to its fullness. 
This promise of the truth of life giving light and glory made me turn this week to reread an amazing chapter of hope in Scripture. One of the last words in our Bible, in chapter 21 of the last book of the Bible, Revelation, has some amazing promises to us about what will happen when Jesus returns and brings about the new heavens and the new earth. I would encourage you this week, I would encourage you the beginning of this new year, read the last few chapters of Revelation. It is full of such great hope that we need. I mean, listen to these words about the eternal home promised to us from Revelation 21, about the glory and the light that is to come in Jesus' second advent. And the city, the heavenly city, will have no need for a sun or a moon to shine on it. For the glory of the Lord gives its light, and the lamp is the Lamb. By the light, the nations will walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. This city, we're promised, will need no lights because Jesus is the light that we need. There will be no need for the sun and the moon because the glory of God will give us light and the Lamb of God will shine before all the nations and you and me get to walk in there in glory. May we start 2023 looking back on Christmas and what it means that Jesus came. And may we start 2023 waiting and worshiping followers of God like Simeon and Anna, knowing that the darkness is rough, but the light is more powerful and Jesus will come and make things right. Let me pray for us. Father, we know that it is hard at times to believe the truths that you say, and it is hard to hold on to the promises that you give. And I pray specifically for anyone in this room right now that is barely holding on to the promise that they can just cling a little bit to the truth that you love us, that you know what we're going through, and that you promise to be there with us. And we long for the day when everything will be made right, but until then, give us the strength and the hope and the faith to walk on as the light of Jesus is here. In your name, amen.